0: building any great building you need an excellent foundation to build it it's proven time and time again to build a great podcast series well you need a great foundation there and we have a great historic foundation with bill schaefer gridiron uniform database telling us about the history of the jerseys this is the pigskin daily history dispatch a podcast that covers the anniversaries of american football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis Hello, my football friends. Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Welcome to our best of NFL jerseys, where we are taking some of our great jersey series that we did throughout the year of uh, 2021 and talk about the greatest players that wear the NFL jerseys. And we're bringing them to you in all one place here on a special podcast of the best of the Pigskin Dispatch podcast. And every journey has to start somewhere. And we are going to start with the history of jerseys before we actually get into the actual uniform numbers of these great players that we're going. Going to talk about in this 101 episode uh, series that I hope you enjoy. Our first guest is a great one from the Gridiron Uniform Database. Okay, and now as promised, I want to bring in this Bill Schaefer interview that we did just a few weeks ago. And Bill, I'll tell you a little bit about him. He is with the GridironUniforms.com website. It's the Gridiron Uniform Database, or the G-U-D as we're going to refer to it. And what is the Gridiron Uniform Database? Well, it's a website that presents graphical representations of every uniform that's ever been worn in the NFL since 1920. The Pigskin Dispatch has been permitted to use by Bill post some of those great graphics. Graphics that the Gridiron Uniform Database uh, has shown on multiple occasions, especially in September and October, when we were talking about some of the older teams. Uh, Bill, you're on the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch podcast. Bill Schaefer, welcome to the Pigpen.
2: Welcome to you. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Well, Bill. We want to get a little bit into what your your site does first so our listeners understand for those that may not be familiar with uh, what's going okay. on. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Gridiron Uniform Database and what it's all about?
2: Well, uh, to, to understand what it is, you kind of have to understand the beginnings of where it came from. Uh, I grew up in Pennsylvania, and my dad was a is Still, to this day, still a uh, season ticket holder for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so, you know, around age five or so, he started taking me to Steeler home games and I started collecting the little, the old fashioned, uh, what was it, IHOP uh, mini magnets, the helmets, and everything. Oh, I remember so every those. game we, yeah, every game we went to, I got a new helmet and everything. So I kind of inadvertently got into this through that. Um, I went to college at the University of Miami, and I moved back down here from Pennsylvania down to Florida uh, around 2002, and I took a job. Uh, I'm a teacher. I took a job at a school, and the school that I started working at was basically my first encounter with the Internet. And so I set up my computer in my classroom and I stumbled across a website in my off time called Football Uniforms Past and Present. And it's basically the forerunner of our website, the Gridiron Uniform Database, in that it displayed uh, the team's uniforms, but it only went back to 19, 1959, I think it was. They did one year of NFL only, and then they started including both the AFL and NFL. But while it was a great site, and it was really the only one that fit into the niche of football uniforms, it did have some problems with it. They didn't include any of the memorial patches or anniversary patches. Some of the colors weren't right. Some of the fonts of the jersey numbers weren't right. And so I, I said to myself, you know, these are really cool images. So I started saving them and using them as screen savers for myself wow. on my computer. Yeah. And Unfortunately, the guy that ran the site stopped updating it after the 2003 season. And so, I decided, well, you know what, let, let me try my hand, and so I started tweaking his existing images to update the changes teams were making. And that worked okay. I wasn't really good at it. It worked okay for a couple of years, and then I think it was, uh, when, uh, either San Diego or uh, Minnesota around 2006, 2007, somewhere around there, did a complete overhaul of their uniforms. It was really the first overhaul since I had been doing this. And I was like, there's no way I can do it with his images because the the, the template he used was like a 3D image. And so I was I was trying to come up with something I could use and I just happened to stumble across uh, an image that someone had posted, and it was on Google Images of someone's attempt to draw what they thought the 2009, uh, the the original AFL teams when they start wore the 2009 throwbacks, like the Broncos wearing the brown and yellow and, uh, you know, the Chargers wearing the powder blues and everything, and it was a really good template to use. So I thought, man, maybe I can adapt this, not just for the uh, 2009 AFLs, but maybe the rest of the Uniforms. So I, I tried my hand at it. I wasn't even thinking about, you know, putting it out on the internet. I was, I was just doing something for my own stuff. And around that time, it also happened to coincide with me discovering uh, Paul Lucas's Uniwatch website. And great, great
0: website by the way there I, also.
2: Yes, yes, it's it's it, Paul's been a big help and likewise I've helped him and been credited on a couple of his articles that he's uh written for uh, sportsillustrated.com uh for like his yearly previews and stuff like that. So, you know, mm-hmm. Paul and I have a real good relationship with that. But uh when I when I found his website, uh there was a uh, topic let me just see if I can click to it here there's a uh, there's a button up at the top uh, of his website that says research projects and I clicked on that and there were two uh, tabs under research projects that caught my eye. one said White at home at the NFL And another one was NFL history. And so I thought, wow, that NFL history, let me see what that is. And what it was was basically just a a list of topics written by a gentleman named Tim Brulia, who also lives in Pennsylvania, and he went through using uh, old video and newspaper photos and basically wrote a verbal description of what each team's uniforms looked like all the way back to the 1930s.
0: Now, and just to just pause you just for a second, Tim, uh, has, those of our listeners that are football historians, see a lot of Tim's work on the uh, PFRA website. Uh, he has yeah. quite a bit of contribution to them, uh, so yeah. please continue. I'm sorry.
2: Oh, not a problem, not a problem. And so uh, I thought, you know what? Nobody's going to see these let me see what I can do. And so I started messing with his descriptions. Uh, I, I manufactured some, uh, leather helmet templates for back in the thirties and forties. And, uh,
0: that had to be tricky.
2: That was, yeah, it, it, it was, it wasn't the easiest thing, but you know, it, was, it and, and because I was new to this. I, I was far from a graphic designer at by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I gave it my shot and there was a note at the end of Tim's uh, little essay there that said anybody that would like to take on the project of putting these into visual images, please contact me. And so I did and from that point on, began a flurry of back and forth, me sending him pictures and him saying, okay, could you make that blue just a little bit darker? You know, could you lighten the green a little bit here? And so I just basically sent everything that I was making. You know, I'd send him like 10 years' worth of Chicago Bears images. And we'd go through and we'd, you know, tinker and fine-tune those. And then we'd do another decade and until we got through absolutely everything. And it originally intended to be just to cover uh, 1932, which was the first year of an actual quote-unquote NFL championship game where uh, the Bears and Portsmouth Spartans actually had to play indoors at Chicago Stadium due to a blizzard. Um, that was really the first NFL championship game. So we kind of used that as a starting point, and we were just going to work all the way forward to 1960, figuring, well, uh, Craig Wheeler's uh football uniforms, past and present, takes care of everything forward. And so when we got to everything up through 1960, we said, you know, let's try to fix what Craig Wheeler has uh by you know tweaking it with our own template and stuff and then maybe if we get okay with that maybe we can work forward from where his site left off after 2003 and catch up to I think it would have been like about 2010 or 2011 by this point. And so we we did and uh we got everything kind of where we wanted it to be but neither Tim nor I had the wherewithal to be able to create an actual website, you know, 10 years ago. Right. And so that's when so that's when Tim contacted Paul Lucas and he said, you know, I got this guy that's done all this hard work for us and we're trying to find a website. So Paul Lucas ran a couple weekend uh entries on his site, one from Tim's point of view and one from my point of view, you know, talking about basically everything that I've just discussed with you here, mm-hmm. saying if there's anybody out there in the UniWatch universe that would like to help Tim and Bill create a website, please contact us. And that's how we got in contact with our original web designer, Rob, uh, Rob Haleko. And he went ahead and created the original version of our website where we just posted, okay, here's, you know, the, all the, all the collection of uniforms worn by each team each year. And it was just basically a collection of, here's 1970, here's 1971, here's 1972. And once we got all that in, we started saying, you know, hey Rob, how difficult would it be? To actually create a separate page for each week of the season. And so that, you know, somebody said, hey, you know, ni- 1977, what did week one look like in 1977? Bang. And now we can click on 1977, week yeah. one, and we see all the matchups from week and one that, of the
0: That is so cool to have that be able to do that, too. I've used that many times myself. It's- yeah.
2: Really and in is. fact, a, a funny story, uh, a couple years after we started the website, I got a thank you letter from a lawyer in New York and he was prosecuting a guy who claimed that uh, he was out of town at a Jets game in Atlanta. A preseason game, and he posted pictures on his Facebook page of him at a game in the Georgia Dome, and you could see the teams in the background. Well, what the lawyer did was he went on our site, clicked on the game for that week, and as it turns out, the teams were in different uniforms than what they were wearing in the background of the guy using his picture. <laughs> And so he used that to say so you you these these pictures are from that game, right? Yes, yes, they were. Well, funny you should mention that because and then he went on to use our website and he went on and he accessed, I guess, like New York Times photos to prove that the pictures that he used were from a game a couple years prior rather than <laughs> that week.
0: Uh, that's, you're almost like an expert witness in uh, the trials yeah. that go on of uh, football yeah, fans. And so, Australia. you know,
2: actually, you know, our, our website helped. You know, uh, uh, I guess get a conviction on this guy. So, you know, just there, there's a, there's been a lot of stories. I've I've had a mom call and say thank you for creating this website. Her five year old, she she feels safe that she can put him on G U D and he can spend hours and hours just clicking through all the pictures and everything. And so, you know, huh. it, it, it's just little things like that. And you know, it's from our point of view, it's real. The whole site's really a labor of love. I mean. We're not getting anything out of it, you know. I'd I'd had thoughts once upon a time of, you know, somehow creating like a uh, a coffee table book out of everything that we've done. But mm-hmm. you know, just being able to get in get in touch with someone, you know, in the in the book business that, you know, would be interested in taking on such a thing. You know, we you know, we've tried but, you know, we've we've come up short in that regard. So Well with,
0: with your know. volume of work it would probably be about uh, you'd need volumes of it, be like encyclopedias, well, that, yeah, I, I was,
2: think. I thinking, yeah, you'd probably <laughs> yeah. have to separate it by decades and stuff.
0: Well one, you know, one it, thing that I'm I'm sorry. One thing that I've really noticed about it that was I found kind of astonishing being a viewer of your website and you see so many old photographs of old NFL games you know from the 1920s, 1930s and I don't know in in the 21st century we've sort of the least I relate, I'm saying, okay, this is black and white. These uniforms yeah. are all kind of gray and drab and dark. And but right. you get under your site and you bring a whole new light into what these uniforms look. I mean, there are some very vibrant colors back in early NFL.
2: Yeah, the, and and what what's really helped us. Um, and here I go plugging plugging another one of our uh, you know communication no, agents. Please, please do uh Mr. Donovan Moore uh had a, a site, uh site I I can't remember what it 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 used to be called colorworks C O L O R W E R X but he has since renamed it true color T R U C O L O R and on it he I guess he got through with uh, some of the uh Hall of Fames and everything, and he's basically got the the pantone squares of the colors used for like almost every single team all the way wow. back into the twenties uh I guess through contacts at the Hall of fame or or whatnot so using Donovan's site. For the color aspect, once we get a black and white picture of a team's uniform, you know, like one of the really popular combinations back, back in the 20s was like a maroon burgundy color and maybe like an off-white cream color. Well, when you look at a black and white picture, you can tell which one's the burgundy and which one's the cream. So it's just a matter of assigning those colors once you make, the actual drawing well, of, you do a, you you know, an like,
0: excellent job at it
2: <laughs> well yeah it's it, it, it it's difficult the the hardest part and 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 uh you know our uh tim brulia you know spearheads this whenever we have issues with it on black and white it's almost impossible to tell the difference between blue and red and the, uh, only, I can't imagine. the only Yeah, the only thing you can use kind of as a guide apparently, and and this is one of the things that I've picked up doing this site is I learned a lot about black and white film uh mm-hmm. for photographs. And namely back in the forties and fifties, uh when you took black and white photography, your camera, you could either put in what was either a red filter or a blue filter. And ah. depending on which filter you used, it would highlight the difference between the red or the blue. So, like, I always refer to, like, the New York Giants, you know, because a lot of people without our website wouldn't know that, you know, way back when the Giants' primary color was red, not blue. And so using, knowing that they normally wore red, they the cameramen would have used a red filter, And so you can see their jerseys actually appearing a little bit lighter than their navy blue helmets. And especially Ah. close-ups like for night games with flash photography, you can see where their red jersey matches the red stripe going down the center of their navy helmet. Interesting yeah versus where they were playing like a, another team that wore red like the Brooklyn Dodgers, where the Giants would have worn their blue jerseys, and the blue filter makes the blue jerseys match the blue helmet and contrast the red stripe going down the middle of the helmet so there's a lot of like little idiosyncrasies that you know you have to use, and you know whenever I get stuck, you know i I default and go running home to Mom and call tim and say tim what what what's your opinion?" in here. And, you know, let, let 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 the you know, as close as we have to an expert with that, uh, do the trick. But, you know, between between getting a, a pretty clear black and white photo and having uh, Donovan's color reference to refer to, it it's pretty much then just color by numbers.
0: It, uh, I just want to make sure that our listeners understand, and, uh, well, full, full disclosure, first of all, Bill and I started, I contacted Bill uh, back probably in the late spring of uh, 2020 to see if we could use some of his graphics on com. And we got into a conversation, uh, and Bill is actually, he lives in Florida now, but he, when he said he was from Pennsylvania, full disclosure, he is from Erie, Pennsylvania, my hometown where I'm located currently, and <laughs> Bill uh, asked me to do an assignment at our local library on a game that was uh, played between uh, a Bethlehem semi-pro team and the Pittsburgh Steelers, I believe it was in the early 1940s, and he wanted to see if we had a, a newspaper uh photograph up here that I could could get to him. I mean, it, the detail that you folks do, uh, your whole team of going to these old newspapers and, uh you know, telling the difference between the colors like you just described and – uh Especially, it wasn't like they were the greatest photographs in the world back in the 30s and 40s in a newspaper. Well,
2: right, and, and not to mention the fact that, you know, you're, you're, you're looking off black and white photos that then have been placed in newspapers, newspapers that are, you know, in some cases 70, 80, 90 years old, where the newspapers have since, you know, have the quality degrade a bit. And then you're talking about, you know, a lot of uh, libraries putting those images on microfilm. So you're talking about, you know, basically it's like the olden days of making a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy on a Xerox machine. So any chance that we can get to get, like, uh, a a digital scan of an original black-and-white Picture is like gold to us oh, I bet. because it's so much crisper and clearer than you know doing the the guesstimating sometimes that we have to do.
0: Hey, hey Bill, I just want to take you in a little bit different direction on your site. Sure. Uh, we talked a lot about the old stuff. Is there any like recent projects that you have on on the site that folks could take a look at when they visit the uh, the GUD?
2: Well, usually when. There, there's there's small fixes and then there's big fixes like you know if if i if i notice you know something or somebody emails us a comment and says hey you know you guys forgot the memorial patch in 2000 whatever i can go back i can do that real quick real easy it's, it's a quick fix but there's also things that are big fixes uh And when we do the big fixes, generally after putting that much time into it, what I usually do is I create a blog entry and our website has a blog button that you can look through and basically it's a storytelling of some of the more recent big fixes that we 've had to do, uh, a couple of them that we 've redone is uh, you know we we went through uh, with a fine tooth comb uh, the Minnesota Vikings uh, their helmet horn, noting all the little changes from year to year of the shape, the length uh the color the placement wow. and then and then same thing with uh, the steelers' emblem ever since they put the, the logo on the side of their helmet uh, around, the, uh, geez, would, it would have been probably like the early 60s when they were in the playoff bowl was the first time that they wore a logo on their helmet, but uh, the 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 little hypocycloids, the the three little shapes that are inside that logo, is that,
0: what, is that the official name for those, yes. those shapes? Yes, they're hypocycloids. Wow, we got a uh, scientific a aspect term. of football here.
2: That's it. That's yeah. it. Geometry lesson while we're at it. <laughs> yeah. Originally, actually. in the original logo, they weren't yellow, red, and blue as they are now. They were actually hmm. yellow, orange, and blue. And wow. so we've we've kind of charted the progression of. Of the size of the emblem the the changing of the colors uh, from uh, an orange to a to a more reddish orange to a red and to what it is now with like a, a really deep red uh, in the emblem. Uh, you know just doing little stuff like that and, and not just saying okay well in, in 1970 it changed to this but also including photos uh that show the change from one year to the next so that you know the the our viewers that come on can see oh yeah okay i can see what he's talking about there
0: oh, that's so awesome.
2: you know we we've done that and then my one of my favorite ones that i've done in in the i did over the summer uh it, it kind of it's it's kind of a thing where you stumble on something by accident. I was driving home from the grocery store and I was in the middle lane and in the lane next to me was a new car that it wasn't white. It was kind of like a pearly white that had mm-hmm. like the little sparkle flecks in it.
0: Oh yeah. I'm familiar. And I was
2: like, you know, <laughs> What what does that remind me of? And so I spent the rest of the ride home trying to think, what what am I thinking of? And then all of a sudden when I walked in the front door, it hit me. Every once in a while, I'd be watching like a, a, a 4 o'clock in the afternoon game or a Monday night football game, and it would be a team that wore white helmets, and the white of the helmet was more of like the eggshell color compared to, like, the car that I had seen. And you could really notice the difference in the night game under the lights because the helmet would take on that eggshell color versus the white of the team's away jersey. And what I found was in 2005... All the teams that wore white helmets went from a white helmet that matched their white jerseys to this eggshell color helmet, and every team's white helmet was this eggshell all the way through to 2017, and then hmm. for whatever reason in 2018, all the white helmets reverted back to uh, crystal clear white that matched the white jerseys. Huh. And it was a really amazing thing to go through, and you know, when you're not looking for it, you don't notice it. But yeah. when you're looking <laughs> for it, you're like, oh my gosh, look at that. The Titans white helmet doesn't match their white jersey. <laughs> the The jet's white helmet doesn 't match the white jersey and, interesting uh, so so just going through and and finding all, all all things like that, so whenever I get done with a project like that, I usually create a blog that goes through so you can see the pictures of of what happened and everything right now uh, i 'm actually kind of caught me i 'm right in the middle of a project um. We try to keep everything as historically accurate as possible and one of the things that's always bothered me is uh in nineteen seventy four the Chiefs began wearing a white face mask and the Chargers I think started wearing a yellow face mask and it was the first time uh yeah,
0: remember those. started
2: using a colored face mask other than, you know, just gray or black Something Mm -hmm. like that. And so we adopted a, a modern helmet template that we had used from 1974 all the way through to 2011. And it always bugged me that it just didn't fit for you know, almost a 40-year time period to just use one kind of helmet and face mask model. And so what I did was I created a uh, a new face mask model for 1974 wow. up to 82, and then kind of tweaked the existing model from 83 up to 11. And believe it or not, the, 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 the thing that's gotten us the most is when we look back at the pictures from the 70s, with face masks like the one that we're using. Mm -hmm. The clips that they used to hold the face mask in place up on the forehead and like on the side by the jaw were not always the same color as the actual Bars of the face mask, and so we're like, you know, I can't show a, a gray face mask for the 49ers, but be showing gray clips when the 49ers were one of the only teams at the time that actually colored their clips to match the helmet and not the gray of the face mask.
0: Well, you and you so have like, a keen eye to see that. That's yeah, that's remarkable. Yeah,
2: and, Well, and and, and I'm lucky because, you know, for a long time, Tim and I were the only ones that did our the research. And uh, about six or seven years ago, we had a gentleman from New York that uh, was contributing a lot of questions and, hey, you need to fix this because I'm a big Giants fan and I know this was like this. Let me get you a photo for it. His name is Larry Schmidt and he's actually a contributor on a website called Big Blue Interactive. And he, they the the website uh often uh you know does uh, podcasts where they contact Larry much in the same way you know you guys are talking to me to talk about you know stuff about Giants history and you know what what can you tell us about this player and you know we, we've you know.
0: we've actually used Larry uh both on the dot com he's wrote a couple uh things on Giants because I I go to him any New York football yep. professional football yep. questions Larry is the he's expert the guy. And he, he, and he actually came on the podcast and did uh, a stint probably back in September, early October on some things on the Giants history that came up.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, well, well, fortunately for me, Larry is I, – I, I don't like to toot my own horn, so I'm not going to, but Larry is – Absolutely, my equal in terms of being able to dig through photos and have an eye for certain details and stuff. And so while I'm fixing these face masks and updating all the images on the site for a a specific one team at a time. Larry has taken it upon himself to go through all these photos and do the digging, and so he created a spreadsheet for me, you know, for all the teams, for all the years, and he's going through, you know, and saying, okay, for the New York Giants, uh, the clips were white, the clips were white, the clips were white, but in 1988, they changed to navy blue, and so It makes my job easier, so I don't have to go back and forth digging up photos. (laughs) I can just have a small window open with his spreadsheet, and so I can go through and fix these one at a time using, you know, what what digging Larry has done for me. And I I tell you, he he's 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 actually like the fifth Beetle. (laughs) <laughs> you know, on our website, he didn't start with us, but man, he's he's he, worth his weight. So he's like he's
0: like Ringo Starr, the Ringo Starr of the yeah. GUD. <laughs> yeah, he he's
2: he. You know, we we wouldn't be anywhere without him. I mean, we wouldn't be halfway as uh, decent. Uh, Tim, Tim and I always joke that, you know, Al Davis always used to say, just win, baby. Well, the GUD's expression was, just get it right. So no matter what it took to, you know, to get our images to be his, as historically accurate as possible to the point where, you know, uh, around the 1990s we started uh, including the the brand maker's marks, you know, putting the, the Reebok logos or the uh, Adidas right. logos. Where they need to be and coloring them correctly and and all that, just anything that we can do to make the site accurate, that's what we've done. And and Larry's been a big part of that is from the research perspective,
0: but well, that's great. I'd like to transition. Um, we're about to embark on a hundred days on the Pigskin Dispatch podcast of going through, and we're recording this in mid-January. Full disclosure to the listeners: this will be airing after the Super Bowl. So if we say anything that uh, we, don't, we don't know who wins the Super Bowl in 2021. <laughs> um, but with these 100 days, we're going to go through the football jersey numbers of the mm. professional level especially. We'll get a little bit into the college. We're going to start at zeros, work all the way up to 99. But I think it's a good jumping off point on that project. If we could get a little bit of the the history of the – especially the football numbers on the football jersey, if you could help us out with that. Mm
2: well i, I tell you, I tell you one one of the things there there's uh there's two things about the jerseys that uh have really changed over the years. The most obvious of course, is the sleeve length uh you know back in the twenties, thirties, forties and even into the fifties, football jerseys went all the way down to the wrist, mm-hmm. and, with the sleeves. And, uh, around the 60s and 70s, they started getting shorter up to the elbow. And now, you know, you've got, you've got players like, uh, uh, what's his name, Michael Bennett, that basically looks like they're wearing a tank top (laughs) over their shoulder pads. You know, the sleeves have gone away almost completely. And and for me that's a shame because, you know, personally, even though I'm a Bears fan, my all-time favorite jersey has always been the 70s Eagles with the sleeve stripes.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, I remember those. You know, the
2: Ron Jaworski Eagles jerseys from the late 70s and early 80s. Those <laughs> were always my favorite jerseys because of, you know, the sleeve stripes and uh But now, with, you know, the jersey templates being what they are, you look at a team like the Steelers. Mm -hmm. The Steelers have that wonderful Northwest stripe pattern on their sleeves, but now because the sleeves have gotten so abbreviated, they can only fit the top half of the Northwest stripe pattern on their, on their sleeves or what's left of their sleeves. You know, the the San Francisco 49ers from their founding as a all-American football conference team back in 1946 have always had three stripes on their sleeves for their jerseys, but because of the abbreviated sleeve templates that we have now, you know, the last what, dozen years or so, the uh the 49ers have had to go from three stripes to two stripes. <laughs>
0: Now, now the, the numbers themselves have changed quite a bit. Yeah, um, and,
2: and that's what I was getting to. The second thing was the, the numbers. Because, I mean, if you look at it, probably uh, with the exception of the Chicago Bears having their rounded numbers and thinner font, everybody else always used like block numbers mm-hmm you know pro style block numbers and I, you know, as a graphic designer I love me some block numbers because they're really okay. easy to work with but when you get these stylized number fonts you know like what the Rams did this past year where you've got you know the uh, the fading of the colors you've got the the rubberized uh, striping inside the number it's, it's a nice Nightmare for me every time I I, (laughs) a a new uniform get unveiled, and I've got to come up with how the heck am I going to do this? You know, but uh, that's the the with the sleeves and the number fonts obviously have to be the two biggest changes in jerseys over the years. I mean, yeah, we've gone from crew neck collars to V-neck, and obviously you're talking about the, the material and everything, but, you know, when you're looking from, you know, the seat in the stadium or on TV, you don't really notice the difference in the material so much as you notice, wow, look at the, the weird number fonts, or like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their uh, alarm clock numbers.
0: Right. <laughs> Now you know, where do you, where do you see, uh, I mean looking into the future, where do you see uniforms in the NFL going in the near future? Is there any well, changes I, on the horizon?
2: I, well, just seeing and hearing a few things, because I always try to keep my ear to the ground, uh, one of the things that I've, I've heard and again this can't be confirmed was that the uh, the general manager for the Rams even though they just came out with new uniforms said something to a reporter that he'd like to make it so they can introduce a new uniform aspect each year, like you know, they've they've got these blue jerseys and uh, the dishwater colored uh, bone, I guess is what they call it, colored jerseys. That maybe they'll introduce a yellow jersey next year, or they'll introduce a white jersey next year. Wow. Now, he wants to introduce a, a single uniform characteristic each year. You know, as some kind of big unveiling um,
0: that'll drive, uh, definitely drive up the jersey sales every year, yeah, like, especially yeah, if you have like hey, a Patrick Mahomes fan and you want to have his jersey that he's wearing for the game you could yeah, uh, it's, it's, have quite a closet full <laughs> yeah it's
2: definitely the tail wagging the dog, you know uh,
0: uh, <laughs> I
2: had another I had another viewer uh email me the other day saying that because because uh the Seahawks when they lost in the playoffs. I published up their 2020, uh, yearly image with their collection of jerseys and he said that, uh, ever since week 12, there's been three players that have worn a new Nike template jersey that's different from everybody else on the team and, you know, the, the name of you know, this jersey template escapes me for the moment. But, you know, I said, well, you know, if we can if we can get pictures of it. And uh, at, at GUD, what we do is we have what we call the rule of three. If we see one thing that's different from everybody else, we kind of ignore it. If we see two people wearing something different from everyone else on the team, well, you know, we got to start paying attention to it. But if there's at least three people doing something different from everybody else, then it's something that we strongly got to consider whether or not you know we're going to include it as a separate variation of uniform. And the best example of that I can give would be the uh, the Redskins. The past couple of years have had about had roughly half the team wearing their striped socks upside down, <laughs> and so we've we've included you know we've created a, a GIF or a GIF or however you want to say it of. The I've heard of both and back ways. And forth between the two patterns. But, uh, yeah, the, there's a, apparently a new Nike templated jersey being test driven by the Seahawks. Uh, the Rams want to in, uh, introduce a new item. And then obviously you just have, you know, who are the teams that haven't updated their uniforms recently that could probably stand to use it and you know I, I was thinking about this last night and who who is most ready for an update to their uniforms and immediately my mind goes to the Bengals the Cardinals, the no, Broncos yeah. And especially, especially the Eagles, because their fans, you, you talk to almost any Eagle fan, and all they want to do is go back to Kelly Green instead of, you know, the, the midnight green that they got now.
0: So, I've even seen you know, a lot recently where they a lot of the Eagles fans want to go back to the white helmets that had the uh, the green uh, yeah. Eagle wings on them. <laughs> well, and,
2: and that... That would be in connection uh, another another rumor that I have seen more than once or twice is that uh the competition committee during this off season is going to strongly look at getting rid of what they call the one helmet rule, where teams are only allowed to wear a single helmet shell during the course of the year, which uh single handedly uh, kept teams like Tampa Bay from wearing the white Bucko Bruce helmets keeps mm-hmm. the Patriots from wearing the white Pat Patriot helmet oh, you know, yeah. stuff like that so that there's a strong push to get rid of that particular rule and allow teams to wear more than one helmet shell again as they were able to do back in the early uh, 20-teens uh, nice. before that rule came into existence
0: now now. You expressed to me, I mean, we appreciate all this history you're giving us on this, but you've expressed to me that there st- are still some areas of the gridiron uniform history that you could use some help from our listeners. Maybe they could help oh, yeah. you with your research. And if you could tell us a little bit about that.
2: Absolutely. You know, I, as, as I talked earlier about, you know, uh, getting the photographs to be able to say, oh, look, they wore this and this uniform for this game. There comes a point where we've absolutely extinguished all of our online digital newspaper archives for the major metropolitan newspapers. The best example of which I could give would be like Pittsburgh, Detroit, and Chicago. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, we, we have online archives for the Post-Gazette uh, and for the Pittsburgh Press. Once you get past those if there was a game where there wasn't a photo published for whatever reason in one of those two papers, you're out of luck. You're not going to get a photo from from that game. Uh, hmm. Same thing with, uh, you know, we've extinguished the Detroit Free Press. We've extinguished the Chicago Tribune. What we would like to be able to do and and this is where you know your broad ranging listeners could could help out if they were so inclined i live in florida i can't go to a chicago library and dig through uh chicago sun times and see if there was a photo from a missing game in the chicago sun or whatever other you know second or third string newspaper there was once you got past the chicago tribune was there a game photo in that other paper that isn't on online archives because what i've found is there are towns like philadelphia detroit Los Angeles is really bad, where, unfortunately, the public libraries don't want to help you. Some towns have been absolutely gracious as far as looking up photos and saying, "Here, look, I found uh, a photo of the game you wanted, uh, and, and sending us you know, a PDF scan of uh, the newspaper photo from that game so that we knew what, uh, uniforms to assign for the two teams in that game. But like Los Angeles, you call any Los Angeles public library and they say, well, we can't afford to uh, dedicate libraries to looking for you. We suggest you contact a local researcher. They charge about 80 to $90 an hour whether they oh. find anything for you or not.
0: Now, oh now is there is, is there like a, a list that the uh listeners could go to that you have on your site this of some projects yeah. maybe you need yeah. their help?
2: On our on our forum, uh in in the Gridiron Uniform database, there's a tab for the forum. And if you go into the forum, let me I wanna quote it just so, okay. so I don't you know, people aren't looking at the wrong thing. When you click into the forum uh it'll first obviously ask you to log in or create a member uh member name username so that you can get in but there's there's two specific uh areas one is NFL preseason research and the other one is uniform corrections and suggestions and in the uniform corrections and suggestions there's a couple uh separate posts one says missing games in need of photos and when you click on that particular entry you can go in and there's uh, an entire list of the specific games that we need photos from that we haven't been able to get photos from that you know it's one thing if you're talking about uh the Redskins versus the Lions in 1948 where you know The Redskins only wore one uniform that year. The Lions Mm -hmm. only wore one uniform that year. You knew what they were going to wear, even though we don't have a photo for it. But any year where a team has more than one combination, we as, you know, trying to be as historically accurate as we can, we don't want to guess one thing and then somebody supply us a photo, you know, months or years later saying, you're wrong
0: right yeah you don't want to have no, that
2: this was it so <laughs> but the uh the big ones the big ones are if if you have anybody that is in the Philadelphia Detroit Los Angeles New York, especially Brooklyn. Oh, we are so hurting for Brooklyn Dodgers uh, photographs and Staten Island Stapletons. Wow. Anything ah. in that New York area? If you know you have access to a Brooklyn library that has Brooklyn newspapers, we would love to hear from you. Uh, Chicago, Cleveland. Boston and Pittsburgh. Those are the big ones. If we could get people to help us out in those cities, you know, we could fill in a couple dozen of our, our, our missing games and and it would be so much the better. As it is now, we have uh workable photos all the way back through the 1950s. I think in 19, in the 1950s, we're missing one game from 1950 and Gosh, one game amazing. from <laughs> 1955. And the 1950 game, I'm not holding out much hope because it was a night game featuring the Browns at the Steelers it was the first ever Brown Steelers game in Hmm. Pittsburgh at Forbes Field but the problem was the game was being held during a newspaper strike in Ah.
0: Pittsburgh so what about what about somebody who happened to be at that game and maybe took a photograph you know that you know,
2: I, that would be, that would be great. That would be great. You know, unfortunately, I have no way of posting something. You know, a general, you know, Google alert saying, "Hey, by the way, anybody that happens to have a picture from October seventh, nineteen fifty, of the Brown Steelers game, you know, shoot me a line."
0: So. Oh. Well, you perhaps know, our, our you
2: is the closest I have for that.
0: Well, perhaps our listeners can help you out with that. Uh, we appreciate your your time. Could you give us uh, your website address again and any Twitter sure. handle or any way people can get a hold of you if they have some of that information for you? Hey, okay,
2: I got a got a bunch of ways. Uh, the website itself is www.gridiron-uniforms.com. Uh, I am my my email directly to me is. My name and my wife's name, Bill and Garen, B-I-L-L-A-N-D-G-A-R-E-N, at verizon.net. And both myself uh, and the actual uh, website both have Twitter handles. Mine is at G-U-D-B-I-L-L-13 on Twitter. So it's capital G, capital U, capital D, capital B-I-L-L, and then the number 13. And then the website is at Gridiron Uniform on Twitter also.
0: All right, Bill, well, we appreciate your time and sharing all this uh, great history that you and your team have done over at the the Gridiron uh, Uniform Database, and uh, we'll look forward to everybody visiting them. Uh, Again, we're going to put that link on our our show notes of the podcast. You can also find it on pigskindispatch.com. And, Bill, once again, thank you for sharing that football history with us and getting us started on this embarking on this project.
2: Not a problem. Thank you for having me, Darren. I appreciate it.
0: Well, that was truly an informative experience and discussion with Bill Schaefer. Make sure you check him out at the gridironuniform.com. It's a great site, and it's really appealing to the eye, and you'll learn a lot about the gridiron uniforms of the professional game of the NFL. Well, I uh, just wanted to make sure that you check us out uh, daily because we're still going to continue to do this podcast, even though we're in the off season. It's pigskindispatch.com dot com forward slash podcast. You can see all of our episodes if you want to do some binge listening to the podcast. Uh, go back all the way to beginning of September when we started this uh, podcast, or you can go to our great site pigskindispatch.com, dot com and check out all of the articles that we have, as well as uh, maybe check out our YouTube channel at pigskindispatch. We'll be on social media throughout the offseason uh, every day. We're going to have some contests coming up. And we are still part of the SportsHistoryNetwork.com where you have some great sports history content. So if you're ready to shift into some other sports, go to the baseball or basketball, we have some of those sports too. You can check it out. There with some great hosts, uh, very talented, and some excellent guests that they have. And speaking of guests, we're going to have a lot of guests coming up here during this off offseason. Uh, like I said, February 25th. We have the legendary Upton Bell, the son of Burt Bell uh, that we spoke about earlier, is going to be on our podcast. And uh, he's got some very interesting things to say, as well as a lot of other folks in between there that are going to talk about our uniform jersey series uh, coming up through the the next few months as we're going to go through it from zeros all the way to 99 uh, in the offseason. So until tomorrow, folks, have a great, great Iron Day. And thanks for joining us. special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast.
1: This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, aka the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network.